It's time now for the Sports Objective Podcast. No talking heads, just guys who love sports. Here's Dave Richmond. Welcome into the Sports Objective Podcast. I'm Dave Richmond along with Kyle from LaGrange Barber. How are you? Well, the weather outside is frightful. But the Sports Objective is so delightful. It's our snow day edition here with my, my buddy Kyle and the staff meteorologist and Bubba Rosenbaum. How are you, man? Doing great, guys. 34 and 100% chance of snow here in China Grove. My kids are excited because they announced uh, this afternoon, no school tomorrow. So this, when we drop this podcast, it's a snow day edition. The kids, one of the first days they ever remember of having a snow day. So they're so excited that they're pumped up, jacked up, no school tomorrow, and it's a long weekend. I'm going to comment on this, kind of make an editorial here. If you see here, what time is it, guys? 6-16 on Friday night. Look, all the counties around here seem to have Thursday night. Thursday night. Thursday night. Thursday night. I'm sorry. <laughs> Friday night. matter. In Little North County, they go to school on Saturdays. So. Yes, evidently. But uh, yeah, I, I'm in Greene County, but my wife teaches in Lenore County. Okay, and I, Brent Williams is a fine, wonderful superintendent, good man. But why in the world he hasn't announced schools are closed yet is beyond me. Well, I don't. You need. I mean, and another thing, I actually for I'm such a calendar nerd for. The school when I was teaching, I was on the committee to set the calendar up for two years, and you build in like what, Bubba, ten days, and maybe you can ask Jessica, but I'm pretty sure it's ten days that you count yeah, on. Not, that you're, yeah, something like that. Roughly, now, I can't I remember. Know, so. I'm sure he has his reasons, but uh, when, when, when I believe I, I know Onslow County and I believe Craven County, which are both way further south. south. Yeah, yeah it, they've already announced they're closing, so it doesn't make any sense to me. Again, he's a great superintendent. But I just well, don't get about ten minutes. I just don't understand. So we are going to definitely enjoy the snow day. In fact, it's a great day to listen to podcasts. And speaking of which, Bubba, uh, we'll talk about in our roundtable. But I want you to promote our special, which you helped out, and our good friend and one of our the sports objectives own, Brennan Shapiro, was out today. Yeah, we have a big show planned for you. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, today, some breaking news. Obviously, the schedule came out. Um, Within the last couple of days, and then and so today, uh, the the waiver that East Carolina had presented to the NCAA was um, granted. So the the news is that in week zero um, will feature the Pirates and Marshall on the 50th anniversary um, of that 1970 horrific plane crash with the thundering herd headed back to Huntington. And so today, Brennan Shapiro was out. Um, on campus and was able to catch up with John Gilbert and also head coach Mike Houston as they addressed the media about um, about that switch and special announcement with the East Carolina Marshall game being moved to August 29th. Yeah, you can that now listen to SoundCloud. If, right. uh, any, anybody wants to check it out, you can easily be found uh, posting several places. And, uh, you know, I had mentioned that, guys, several times that uh, – the game, it'd be cool to move it to week zero. I was scared. It's kind of, I kind of got it in reverse. I was scared that it was going to be moved to Thursday night to kind of try to feature it um, uh, during week one because of the special circumstances surrounding it. But the Appalachian State ended up being moved to Thursday night. But uh, week zero is perfect. It, it, it gives it a – you know, a, a nice chance to be on national TV. It gives it a nice chance for it to get a lot of attention, which it deserves, with it being the 50th anniversary of the crash. It, you know, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU covers. And also, guys, it should increase the attendance. Would, 
with uh, it not being Labor Day weekend, people can't use that as an excuse for not being able to come. It is the only game going on in the area, so some of our ACC friends may want to make the trip down to watch North Carolina Marshall. Yeah, yeah, I think that guys wanted to mention um, something. I want to throw this out to you because uh, we're talking about this in our pre-show as we huddle up, if you will. And I thought I was wrong, so Bubba was right, and you guys are mostly right anyway. So for me, but uh, I thought we had more uh, than forty thousand for that UNC game. But do you know when is the last time we've had over forty thousand? Do you guys know? Bubba uh, have to check that. I, you know, I, I, we. I know we had over 40 for NC State in 16. Right. I would bet you the following home game after that in 16, when it, whatever that was. UCF. Yeah, I bet you UCF in 16 was the last time we cracked 40,000. Wow. That's I probably, mean, that, yeah. That's guessing. I mean, I, that may not be right, but that's just, uh, that's just a guess. Yeah. Um, some other notes, guys, as far as um, this week zero matchup between the Pirates and the Herd. Just out of curiosity, I was interested to see how many other games are scheduled for that week. And um, it appears, yeah, we're one of seven, and we are one of uh, two American teams playing that week. Um, of course, Navy will be over in Dublin, Ireland, taking on Notre Dame. And um, from what I've heard, um, as you would expect, uh, College Game Day will be there. I was hoping they would be with us. Two o'clock kickoff for uh, Navy Notre Dame, so I'm hoping uh, seven. I, that's what I'm hoping. Seven o'clock. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, there, there is a Pac-12 game. There's a Mountain West game. Um, so six or seven would be great. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, like you're mentioning, Kyle. I know. I believe I saw Arizona plays Hawaii again, and that's that was a early season matchup last year as well. Yeah, uh, we can go over the Week Zero games if you want to. Um, I got the schedule right here. Uh, in addition to East Carolina and Marshall and Notre Dame and Navy, uh, you, you have the FCS kickoff game between Austin P and Central Arkansas. You've got Cal at UNLV. Uh, that's the Mountain West game, so that most likely will be on CBS Sports Network. Hawaii at Arizona. Uh, you know, you could do that as a nine o'clock, ten p.m. start, something like that, um, on one of the ESPN networks. So, and, and then also uh, Idaho State at New Mexico, New Mexico State at UCLA for another Pac-12 game, and UC Davis at Nevada. So, a lot of games that potentially should be later night games traditionally with Pac-12 Mountain West schools. So, we kind of sit in that prime slot where we should be getting hopefully uh, six or seven o'clock kickoff. I, I hope. I, I hope they don't do something goofy and put us, you know, like at three thirty or something. There's there's no need to. Yeah, with so few games, you certainly wouldn't think so. And like John Gilbert said, um, in the audio that you can hear on SoundCloud, um, from his press conference today, as he met with members of the local media, so he he said that he said I'm, this is just strictly my guess and what from what I gather, he said, but I would. I would say that we'll probably follow up Navy and Notre Dame, and that's certainly what he's hoping. Yeah. You know, my only concern would be, uh, Bubba, if, if they want to do a uh, a, a uh, Hawaii at Arizona or New Mexico State at UCLA in, in like at a 7 or 8 o'clock kickoff. But you, you could just about push those back to 9, and there's no guarantee those are even going to be on the ESPN network. They have other contracts. With Fox and uh, and Pac-12 Network and all that, so um, 
anyway, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll, we'll, we'll get a nice prime time kick and we won't be out there sweating our uh, tails off. And you guys were talking about the size of the crowd. I know, um, John Gilbert in his comments, he also said that he's certainly hoping, um, for, for a crowd that, um, will be pushing capacity. I mean, and obviously, and he would hope that any, he would hope that anyway. He's not, he didn't necessarily say that he was expecting it, I don't think. Maybe, maybe he did, but, it, but nonetheless, I, I do think that, uh, Marshall generally travels pretty well anyway, yeah. but, but I think that, um, I think Marshall will travel travel any even better uh, considering the significance of this game with it being the 50th anniversary. That's uh, a good so. point, Bubba. I didn't even, for whatever reason, my brain didn't even go there that more Marshall fans will probably come now uh, with the significance of the game. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe if you get four or five thousand Marshall fans to make the trip, uh, and then you, you have a few extra fans that. Would it be there because it being Labor Day weekend? And then you have some of just the area fans because you don't have to worry about North Carolina or North Carolina State or Duke or Wake Forest playing that weekend. So, it's like I said, some of the ACC fans that just are hungry for college football or because of the importance of the game uh, from a historical standpoint, um, they want to be there. So, uh, I think anything over 40,000 at, at this point is a really good crowd for East Carolina these days. But if we could push capacity, I'm not expecting that. But it would be fantastic. I am expecting to. I am expecting to get over forty thousand. A pretty natural uh, marketing opportunity. We'll see if they do anything with this or not. Um, but what seems like a pretty natural marketing opportunity, as far as obviously the 50th year anniversary, and then with capacity being just over. 50,000, I guess, what, 51 or 51.5 now with um, Town Bank Tower. Um, you could have, could, yeah, put, let's put 50, 50 in the thick for the 50th year anniversary. So, well, it'll be interesting to see um, what events they have going on with that game and how they market it and so forth. Yeah, and one of the things that, you know, I don't even know if I want to go here, but I, I guess I will. You, you definitely want it to be a big deal, and you want to honor those guys and, and, and what what happened it was a terrible event. But you don't want it to become too emotional where it takes the guy's edge. And, I mean, I guess you've got a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-old guys getting ready to play the first college football game of the year. Uh, their edge will be there. But uh, do you get what I'm saying, Bubba? Does that make any sense yeah. at all, or am I overthinking it? Yeah, uh I get where you're going, um, but at the same time, I, don't, I really don't think it'll be an issue. Um, kind of along those same lines, though, like John Gilbert alluded to in his remarks, um, just he is obviously going to be extremely um, cautious and just be um, and just make sure he goes about this. He and the athletic administration in East Carolina in the right way um, to make sure it's very tastefully done and um, that they do justice to those 75. Yeah, you know, um, I, you know, I wonder, I, I was thinking about this too. You, you wonder if you could get Matthew McConaughey and some guys from the movie here. Uh, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, you talking about getting some press. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, you get, you do, do something like that. Uh, there, there's the, 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 the coach, the, the, uh, the coach from, the, the real coach that McConaughey played and the assistant coach that, uh, drove yeah. back home. Uh, Jack, both, Jack Lingle and Red Dawson, yep, they're, they're, they're still, still they, they are. 
That that would be huge. Oh my god, that would be awesome. If we can get those guys here and uh and uh our head coach at the time was uh Mike Mike McGee who Mike who, McGee, uh, who for who one year. Okay. Yeah. Duke Duke uh left to go to Duke, I believe. He was here one Yeah, year. he was a Duke alum and that's something else. I'm, I'm sure you guys noticed that. Uh, what um, I'm trying to remember which member of the local media asked this question doesn't doesn't really matter. But um, they asked as far as the ticket situation, and John Gilbert said, of course, they had their four thousand that they would typically have, but that East Carolina was also any any folks uh, related to that um, family members, that kind of thing. Um, anyone connected to that 1970 team that the Pirates were going to provide those individuals with tickets. So that's, yeah. uh, I, th- I thought that was uh, very tasteful on our part. No, it is, absolutely. And, and look, don't forget about our guys. Uh, they were yep. affected the very John Casazas and Yeah. They were affected very deeply emotionally. I mean, you, to think you just, you just played guys, you beat them. There's a lot of guilt there that they beat them. Um, I mean, so emotionally, those guys had to live with, you know, kind of survivor's guilt, if you will. And uh, so I, I know that it's been on those guys' minds all these years. I mean, they were on the field with those guys. They were angry at those guys, I'm sure, during that game at times. You get angry on the football field. There was uh, – they, they were celebrating a win while those boys were dying. And uh, I'm, I'm quite sure over the years there's been a lot of guilt on those guys' minds. So let's not forget about, uh, you know, our, our players and uh, their uh, their emotional loss and tragedy. I mean, granted, it's a lot better than the other way, but uh, they certainly experienced uh, having to go through that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, John Cazazzo, when he was on the program, understandably, he was – he was essentially less speechless, and he had to uh, gather his thoughts and uh, collect himself numerous times during that interview. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember, but, uh, you know, um, I saw somebody post this. I can't remember who it was. It was a former player during that time that I believe Coach uh, McGee or uh, maybe it was one of the assistants was something to the effect of, uh, I, I don't want to misquote it, Bubba. Maybe you know the quote. uh Something to the effect of guys tonight, we you lost, you know, some of your own or some of your own kind or something like that. Did you know the quote? I'm I'm trying to recall, um, but no, I don't I don't recall exactly. Uh, but okay, well, we can we can ask we can ask but, John or another former player at, uh, at some yeah, point. Yeah, but uh, when that movie when the movie came back. Or came out, not back when it came out in uh, 2006. Um, it was one that obviously loved instantly and um, went out and bought it. And so I've certainly seen it countless times. And I I'll tell you what, there was a line in that movie that pissed me off when that girl that worked at the movie theater. Yeah, he's <laughs> what I'm talking about. I've heard of giving up 400 yards or whatever to Bowling Green, but East Carolina. Not East Carolina. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Then. Didn't know we were inferior to Bowling Green. But. Yeah, but uh, speaking of other scheduling news, Kyle, what about, um, as, as you heard in John Gilbert's comments, if you listened to him, he addressed the uh, at-state situation with that 
season opener with the Mountaineers in 2021 being moved. Um, it was rumored to be moved to Thursday night, and we found out um, here today that that was, in fact, the case. It will be played on Thursday night, September 2nd, 2021. Yeah, and it can't be moved to week zero, or at least it doesn't sound like it could be. So it's going to – it will be on a Thursday night. Uh, it, 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 it's so uh, – it is what it is, man. The, the biggest takeaway from that is it will not be part of the season ticket package now. It, it was going to be before. So, to me, it's a positive. Um, I, I didn't like it being part of the season ticket package when it was on a Saturday. Um, I think it's stupid. So, the fact now that it does not have to be part of the season ticket package, I think a negative just became a positive. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get as many fans in there as we can who can go on a Thursday night. Uh, maybe that kid can go. And, uh, and you know, whoever can't go, can't go. At least uh, it won't affect season tickets. So. Absolutely. And listeners, my five-year-old is absolutely loving the snow right now, as you, as you can hear in the background. Yeah. Reese, you're being very rude. You're interrupting the podcast. Reese, Reese, say hello. Hello. Hey, Reese. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Reese. But, uh, but, yeah, Kyle, that's what a lot of the interesting points that John Gilbert made and how he had been in talks with – Doug Gillen uh, regarding this situation for quite some time, and it's a shame that it's getting moved from Saturday. Uh, it's one of those things, like John Gilbert alluded to in his remarks, just that uh, you got to be careful moving forward as far as how a contract's worded. Do everything you can to prevent a situation like that. But as they say, uh, money talks, and uh, that's certainly the case. And the folks, uh, the folks with the CSF, the Charlotte Sports Foundation, and by the way, we're going to have Danny Morrison on the show next week. He's the head of the CSF. But um, next week, right? Yeah, so we'll have we'll have him on next week. But uh, but yeah, as far as that was concerned, it, this was a move that was strictly dictated by the CSF and had nothing to do with App State and East Carolina. And we just were the yeah. victim victims of uh, Clemson and Georgia being played at Bank of America. Yeah, and, and, and look, point this out, you thought about contracts being worded better. I remember when Jeffrey Comfer signed this contract, uh, that this contract was signed a long time ago, so current administration didn't have anything to do with the, with the verbiage. And Kyle, there, um, a moment ago, did, did you address as far as where the games will be played? Did you, did you, did you mention that I as far as? I didn't, but evidently, okay. uh, now it's going to be Charlotte Boone, Greenville, Greenville. Right. Um, so there will be back-to-back games in Greenville, but um, this way App State gets their the actual home game at Kid Brewer Stadium first. So I mean, I, I can I can understand that. It's smart on their part. Um, it's it's something that um, we've certainly uh, fallen victim to um, w- with others. Like like I think you may have mentioned South Carolina, but that and it happened with the Gamecocks and. I guess maybe uh, you didn't mention South Carolina, but I had that in my mind because you mentioned Jeff Comfort. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, and I mean that's fine. I mean it is what it is. I, you know, uh, I I don't care. It doesn't doesn't bother me that we're doing that. Um, you know, with all the scheduling news, uh, we're still is it twenty two? We still need a home game. I mean, uh, there were supposed to be some home and home announcements stuff all coming soon. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if we have any other announcements soon. Whatever happened to that rumored P5 home and home? 
yeah, still anxiously awaiting that. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I and mean, a lot was speculated about a Big Ten opponent like Rutgers. Um, and that would certainly be fine with me. Um, we'd much rather play uh, someone like yeah. that than some some of the other folks we have on the schedule. But um, and, and with Greg Schiano there, um, I certainly expect that would be a lot tougher task uh, moving forward than it would have been the last few years. Oh, yeah, Greg Chiano will turn that place around in a hurry. And, uh, you know, I, when that Big Ten thing came up, they, or, uh, Bob, it kind of makes me wonder if the Michigan thing weren't the, wasn't the Big Ten team that we're doing the one game at Michigan. Uh, but, you know, there was a lot of speculation out there about home and home. So it'll be interesting to see if that ever happens. Um, time will tell. But, uh, anyway. Um, you already got the first guess? Yeah, let's go to, let's go to a guess. We caught up with Steve and Igo recently, and Dave had the opportunity to chat with him. Um, nice extended interview with Steve and Igo of HoistTheColors.net. Let's go to that right now. Well, one of our favorite guests on the podcast, on the show, is Steve and Igo from HoistTheColors.net, 24-7 Sports. How you doing, Igo? I'm doing good, David. Glad to, uh, to be back on the podcast. And as always, a busy time of year for, for ECU Athletics, so plenty to talk about. No doubt about it. We'd love to have you on a lot. I know that uh, I always ask you since uh, the day I met you, I don't know when, when in the heck you ever sleep. You're so thorough with all your covering of all the sports and uh, with ECU Athletics. Let's uh, dive into football. saw the tweet from you, and I know the uh, press release from the Browns and from uh, ECU, this uh, something, a story you've been working on for a week or so now with Brandon Lynch uh, leaving the program, uh, accepting a position as a DB coach with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, it's something that happened pretty much a week ago, and, and we heard about it on Wilson Colors, followed up about it with some sources, and, um, you know, ended up confirming that last week that he was going to the Browns. And then, of course, with the way things move slowly in terms of the, uh, you know, uh, HR staff, I guess, the NFL and Codwell, but it took some time for it to be confirmed. But, yeah, Coach Lynch, cornerback's coach here, is going to the Browns. He'll be an assistant DB coach uh, with the Cleveland Browns. And it's an opportunity that he probably couldn't pass up. You know, yeah. early in his career, he did an internship with the Minnesota Vikings at the time. And on that staff, he's, he worked with the guys who are now the defensive coordinator and defensive bats coach with the Browns. So he had that connection. You know, he had been in DCU for three years. He was going to his fourth year. Uh, it's a shame because I think it, it hurt DCU in recruiting. Uh, yep. He's got a really young and energetic coach, um, Coach Lynch, and I think losing him will hurt you in recruiting. But it will be interesting to see who they replace him with uh, in corners. And, you know, it just seemed like this, this defensive staff was finally starting to get settled. And now Coach Houston and Coach Blake Carroll have to find another uh cornerbacks coach to take over. Let's talk about that. Blake Harrell, I know you, you, by the way, folks, make sure you listen to Pirate Radio. They host the Colors show this week. Had Blake Harrell in there. Um, great interview. What are your thoughts on Coach Harrell? I'm impressed, man. Uh, everything I've heard, and, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, he was hired by ECU, and I cover ECU, and I've talked to ECU sources. You know, I've talked to people who aren't working at ECU anymore don't have many ties to ECU industry who were very high on the hire. And they were high on Coach Harrell when he was the first name I heard in the in the search process. You know, there were other guys, the Coastal Carolina defensive coordinator, uh, former Arkansas DB's coach Ron Cooper, um, mm-hmm. and there were others as well who were in the mix. But, you know, Harrell 
he had to tie to Houston, but most importantly, he, you know, he had spent a couple seasons away from Coach Houston. He really developed his own identity. Kind of don't in coach profession, you take a little bit from everybody, and uh, I get the sense that he took a lot from Coach Houston for sure. But then he took even, you know, some more stuff when he was on his own apart from Coach Houston's staff, and when he became a coordinator. And the impression I get from talking with people over at ECU is then when, when Coach Houston and Coach Harold reconnected and went through the hiring process, you know, Coach Houston was really blown away with how much his defense has evolved in terms of mul- multiple formations, multiple personnel, and just being able to handle the spread tempo of uh, what's really become college football offenses over the years. So I'm very impressed and not only with what he does schematically, but I've heard a lot of great things about the culture he builds. And uh, I think it's a great fit for ECU, not only in the short term, but I think in the long term. I think you're finally going to see some stability on the defensive staff. And, you know, I, go, I love the defensive side of the ball. I love all sides of the ball, but that's my favorite. So, obviously, we take our licks a lot here in the last few years. Wanted to talk about the fact that so now we have, you have uh, Jeff Hansen leaving, I believe it was January 8th. My memory serves me right. Bob Trott was around January the 16th. We found out his contract would not be renewed. Now we have Brandon Lynch leaving. Is there something to be concerned with, or is it just coincidental to have uh, three guys? I guess the defensive side of the ball, there needed to be some changes anyway. Yeah, you know, there's two ways to look at it. I mean, you could be concerned um, from the standpoint of just there's been no stability dating back to before Coach Houston. You know, Coach Moe had a different defensive coordinator and a different D-line coach every year. Yeah. and, you know, this makes – I mean, I can't even keep track of it without writing it down. But I think it, I think it's six defensive coordinators in six years and six defensive line coaches in six years or something like that. That's crazy. Um, at some point, you just got to have some stability. You know, you did have some stability at corner with Coach Lynch, and he was a great uh, player's coach. You know, I think him leaving is probably a little bit of a surprise, and maybe I'm more concerned over that. And then I am with Coach Houston changing defensive coordinator and with Coach Hanson retiring. What I heard, um, Coach Trot and Coach Hanson were, were very connected in terms of how they ran the defense. So I think both of them leaving makes some sense. And I think if you're going to restart, you know, it's better, in my opinion, if you were leaning towards potentially making change at defense, to go ahead and do it now rather than wait, wait until after your second year and then make that change because I think you've got a really young defense in place right now. I think they're going to struggle some this season. and But at least you have the, the culture and you've got the scheme in place. And I get the feeling Coach Harrell is going to be a very good players coach and the players will really like him. Not that they didn't like Coach Trot, but he just kind of had an old school mentality. Uh, right. I think it's just something different. But um, I think Coach Houston probably felt it was necessary. You're going to get a lot more different looks in this defense. And I think at ECU right now, you don't have the talent to just line up and play. And I think it makes sense to try to get a little bit more multiple and creative on defense. And I think Coach Harrell will do that. No doubt about it. They look like they have been, I think, with the coaching staff now, it looks like that's, uh, that's going to settle down. It'll be interesting. Do you know uh, who we can – Get for corners coach? You know, I haven't heard to this point um, any names uh, specifically. It will be, you know, interesting to see what uh, direction they go there. You know, one name on staff uh, to watch is 
uh, Teron Williams, who's actually the player development or the director of player development. He was a cornerbacks coach at BMI and a quality control guy and a coach at JMU beforehand. I don't know if he'll go that route. I mean, that's just me speculating, not having any concrete info, but you at least have some familiarity there. He's coached under Coach Houston. He knows what to expect. So we'll see if they do that or choose to go outside uh, or higher. Staying with football, transitioning now to transfers. Um, I'm reading, you know, Hoist the Colors. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I'm excited by the football program. And then, like, it seemed like the defensive line was kind of thin. And then the offensive line, uh, maybe a month or so ago, so like worries me. On both sides of the ball, the lines are uh, concerning to me. And then I see about Tay Williams and Lee, uh, Leroy Henley. I just want to get your thoughts on the players and uh, what do we have to worry about or do we not have anything to worry about at all? Well, I think anytime you're losing guys off the roster and there's attrition, uh, you have to worry at least a little bit. Um, for me, I'm more worried about Tay Williams and Leroy Henley leaving than the defensive lineman. Um, I will say I'm not surprised by the departures of Tay Williams, Trey Love, or Shannon Hickerson. All those guys had some things to work through during Coach Houston's initial year at the helm of the program. And I don't know, you know, if there was a strike two or strike three or, you know, there was just kind of a mutual parting of ways or what. But I heard about a situation, you know, with all those guys dating back to earlier in their careers under Coach Houston. So, um, you know, I don't think those are the – I don't think those are the end of the world as far as losing those guys. They were all probably role players at best. Right. You know, Hickerson was a fifth-year senior, but he didn't hardly play in the last half of the season. Trey Love had never taken a snap on the defensive side of the ball for ECU. Um, so, you know, I don't know what you really lose there other than maybe some depth and some guys who have been in the program, you know, which is always a concern. But uh, Leroy Henley is the one where I was kind of surprised. You know, he's a good, great kid, good program guy, uh, really good friends with Blake Prohl. You know, really yeah. came in as, as that 2017 class as one of the higher-rated guys, and then he had some injuries. Uh, just never really worked out. You know, kind of fell behind Blake and kind of fell behind C.J. Johnson this past year. And my hunch is he probably just wants to play and he wants a chance to start. And realistically, you know, he's going into his redshirt junior season is he really ever going to pass Blake Prohl and C.J. Johnson outside receiver to start? Probably not right. um, at this point. So if he really wants to play, you know, maybe he goes to a smaller school and just had opportunity. I think he's got talent, but he's got to find a way to stay healthy. But but I hope the best for him because he's a really good kid and uh, and all the guys. I mean, I, I've never had a personal problem with any of them, so hopefully they all find a, a good home uh, going forward. No doubt about it. Well, it'll be interesting to see that. Speaking of um, issues with – as far as depth is concerned, are you hearing uh, one of the question marks for me? Are they going the uh, JUCO route, or is there time now? I guess it would be grad transfer route to fill in some holes at O line and D line. More than likely, this late it would be grad transfers. I mean, if you're yeah. taking a JUCO kid this late, it's probably one that you know fell through the cracks because he didn't have either academics uh, or right. you know just kind of was really off the radar until late in the process. So um, you know we'll see. I, you know, rest assured, they are searching a lot of avenues for defensive linemen, especially in the grad transfer uh, portal. And then, you know, on the offensive line, it's kind of an interesting situation because they can really use a grad transfer in terms of depth. But also, you know, they've got a lot of seniors up front. You've got Fernando Fry, Cortez Heron, Deontay Smith, and also um, Sean Bailey. So there's four seniors who could start. 
if you bring in another grad transfer, you're talking about losing five guys who could potentially start in one year. So it's almost like would you rather take another high school or Duco kid that's got multiple years left on the offensive line? I think defensive line, they definitely need a grad transfer. They definitely need some experience. Uh, you could probably use it at linebacker too, which at times last year I thought the linebacker play was just probably as bad as I've ever seen it. Yeah, that's my favorite position, so I, I concur and I, I agree with you 100%. Let's talk basketball. I know you don't have a lot of time, so we're trying to, with your busy schedule, I don't know how you keep up with everything uh, basketball-wise. Uh, with you there on Sunday, very disappointed, uh, certainly uh, for the players, not for me. Uh, I don't know how hard they're working. I know from the outside, I, I'm not I, inside the program. You follow it way closer than I do. But you've got to be uh, happy and pleased with the way the basketball program is. We're starting to see things finally pay off, I think. Yeah, you know, they're making progress. And, you know, the big thing for me is the freshmen are making progress. You look at the trio, Kristen Newton, Brandon Suggs, Charles Coleman. That's the that's a foundation that you can build around, obviously, with Jake Gardner, too, as a sophomore. I mean, you look at those four guys, and that's your core for the next three to four years. And so the fact that all of them are getting better, those four guys. I mean, if you look at Jaden from last year to this year, he's really gotten yeah. better. I think he'll continue to get better. Uh, Suggs and Newton. Newton's really taken a step forward these last few games. And Charles Coleman, yes, he's not lighting up the stat sheet. Yes, he, he takes some ugly-looking shots. Um, but uh, if you go back and look at all the bigs in college basketball and look at the numbers they put up when they were freshmen, you're talking about regular seven-foot guys or 6'10 and above guys who come in as freshmen, they're not counting on to play this much because they all need to develop. Unfortunately for Charles, he's developing in the fire against legitimate competition. So he's got a long way to go, but, you know, we're actually seeing progress from these guys. I mean, how many times over the years did we see like a Kentrell Barkley or a B.J. Tyson start really good as a freshman and then really not expand their game or get better? So I think Coach Dooley – you know, they work their tails off on, you know, these guys on the courts. Uh, they work their tails off in recruiting. Uh, I have faith that eventually they'll get the product to where it needs to be. It's just, it's such an uphill battle in the league, and it takes so long to catch up that, you know, it's going to take multiple recruiting cycles. It's going to take multiple years of development for them to catch the top teams in this league. And we're seeing flashes of it now, but you're still probably a year or two away from really being where you want to be. Exactly. I, I think, and I'll, I'll um, move on to baseball just a little bit, but I did a, I, I looked at, maybe you say I'm bored, but I looked at the the 16 losses, okay, because there's so many people that are casual, and they go, here we go again, EC only has 10 uh, wins, but if you look at the losses, um, and I'm not a moral victories guy, but if you look at 10 losses, I mean, 10 points or less, like a loss, the, the Pirates have, I think it's around 10, 10 games there. They've lost 10 points or less, and there's so many close games, even closer than that. And even if you have 12 points or less, I think it's another two. So it's like 10, 12 games where you're – I feel like if, you, uh, if it's 10 points or less, you're in the game. I mean, maybe that's a little too much uh, for some folks, but considering where um, somebody that has watched Pirate basketball for a long time since the 1980s, um, just watch games, I feel guilty – if I don't have the game on, and then if I have the game on, if it's a away game, for example, and we're getting blown out by 20 or 30 points, it's really hard. But this year, it just seems like a different vibe, like you're watching the game and the Pirates are like in just about every game. Yeah, and they've done a good job. And, and to be honest, the most disappointing part looking at, at the schedule is just the start of the year. And no. it's just one of those things like they started so poorly 
you know, two and seven against a really poor schedule. Right. Uh, that that just put them behind the eight ball all season. So they've been trying to catch up. Uh, if you played those games now, you know, if you played Rice on a neutral court now, if you played UMKC, uh, it'd be a much different outcome. I firmly believe that. So, um, you know, all those games, and you know, they still count. I mean, that's the bottom line. They do right. count. But, you know, you hope next year, you know, there's probably going to be limited roster turnover. You know, you just hope that they can start, maybe have a start where they're eight and three, or, or you know, seven and four, or even nine and two in non-conference play, and then. You know, once you get into league action, you almost feel so much better about yourself because of the record. And, uh, you know, let's say you come up short in a few of those games, you're not feeling like you're fighting an uphill battle all season trying to get back to 500. So um, I, I do think, you know, that is the main thing. They're getting better. I mean, from the first game to now, it's night and day. And now these guys, I mean, you've got so many guys who just didn't know what to expect from a Division One season, who once they start next year, I think they'll be much better. And hopefully they can have, a for once, have a good non-conference schedule, a good non-conference record, and then you kind of take that momentum in a conference play, and that's when I think you can you can really have, you know, a 17-18 win season just by going, you know, 500 in conference, and all of a sudden you look like gold instead of, you know, what it was this year. No doubt, and I think if you look at last, I mean, uh, the non-conference, you win some more of those games, and you knock off some more of the teams. And uh, obviously, in the conference play, uh, we could already be a bubble team for the NIT. I know that's a stretch this year, but I really believe next year we can be a bubble team for the NIT. Which uh, that's been—I don't even know—I <laughs> can't even think of a time when they've been in NIT. So um, it's been so dreadful, uh, so bad. It's kind of like the Cubs for college basketball, uh, as far as. Uh, baseball is concerned, uh, you've got to be pleased. I'll tell you what, I was really tickled with the uh, – I know it's early. I know it's William & Mary, but they're not the cupcake maybe people think that they are um, because of the name. Uh, 2016 opponent, obviously, with uh, the regional there in Charlottesville. But I thought the pitching is the best I've seen in a while. You covered, again, way closer than I did. What did you think about the pitching for the Pirates this past weekend? I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is just the sheer quality of arms, the number of arms. I mean, they've got so many guys that they can turn to, and, and there's going to be ups and downs. I mean, they have a lot of right. inexperience on the mound. You know, you've got a lot of freshmen who are going to see innings. You've got a lot of JUCO guys who are going to see innings. And you're going to see some, some volatility, especially early in the season. But the sheer raw stuff of some of these guys, I mean, you've got lefties coming out throwing – you know, 90-91 as freshmen with good change-ups, good breaking balls. Um, the upside there is scary. I can't remember the last time ECU had so many left-handed options in the bullpen. And then you've got some, you know, you've got a good mix of, of veteran right-handers like Cam Coldmore and Matt Bridges, uh, even Evan Odom. Uh, and then you got some Duco kids from the right side who can bring it in the 90-92 range and have good breaking balls as well, like a Tristan Kimmel. Um, and we didn't even see Gavin Williams or Jake Kuchmaner, really. I know Kuchmaner threw two innings on Sunday, but, right. you know, that's not – usually you're going to get six to seven quality innings out of Kuchmaner. You're going to get quality innings out of Gavin and a bunch of strikeouts. So, without having those two guys to see the pitching that we did, I think that really speaks to to the upside and the overall depth of this pitching staff, which which I think can be as good as, as any Cliff Gavin has had. And Stephen, I wanted to ask you that very thing. What's the latest? What are you hearing as far as uh, Gavin? I know it's probably there. I know they're being taken, you know, being safe and sorry. 
by not putting him out there opening weekend, but he's probably going to miss at least one or two more starts, right? Yeah, he more than likely the, the Keith LeClaire Classic will be his return date. Um, you're looking at a scenario where he could probably go out and throw this weekend, but, you know, what's, what's, the, what's the point? I mean, they can really work him back up in a bullpen uh, role uh, a week or two as far as throwing bullpens and then get him back in the game action against, against uh, you know, teams in the Keith LeClaire Classic. And I think – once that happens, so you know, with Kuchman on a pitch count, Jackson on a pitch count to begin with. Once he returns, I don't know, you know, how they'll handle it. They might start him off in the bullpen just so they don't have two guys who aren't going to go uh, max effort on the weekend just because of the limited pitch counts. But uh, just getting him back eventually, and I think it will be in the next week or so, will be a big boost. And and then once you get Kuchman here and Gavin back in the rotation then you can pr- possibly put Burleson in as your swing guy, as your bullpen guy, and all of a sudden your pitching staff is even that much more deeper. So uh, the good news is he's on track to return. You just cross your fingers, no setbacks occur. And, you know, I think we, we continue to see the evolution of this pitching staff as a result. Speaking of pitching staff, I've been really, really happy uh, with Jason Dietrich. I mean, you know, you, you people ask about how good of a coach is Cliff Godwin. Well, He's such a good coach. So he has Jason Dietrich coming in, a guy that was a, a pitching coach of the year. He gets contacts, I think, from the San Francisco Giants, the major leagues, and he decides to stay here. It says a lot about Cliff Godwin. It says a lot about Dietrich, too, I think, his character, where he's not a resume builder, where he's just jumping from uh, opportunity to opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to Coach Dietrich about three or four times now and just uh, am extremely impressed with his demeanor. I think he's got a good mix. You know, he's kind of a laid-back, that West Coast style. You know, the players have told me he'll get on him if, if necessary. But for the most part, he's going to be a laid-back type of coach. And that seems to mesh well with Coach Godwin's style, who's obviously extremely intense, extremely motivated at all times. Um, but everything I've heard from the pitchers, you know, to the to the position players, to other coaches on staff, you know, really has fit in seamlessly. Uh, it helps that he's got a lot of talent to work with, but I think he's going to get a lot out of the talent. And, uh, you know, Tom will tell just how good of a hire it is, but his resume speaks for itself. And, um, you know, Dan Rosell was a heck of a pitching coach, and, and I've yeah. never had any problem with Dan, but, you know, maybe ECU did up and we'll see over time, and, and maybe uh, he could be a difference as far as getting his team to Omaha. Well, I know it's maybe some personal – uh, pressure put on himself, but I tell you what, I said on extra innings on Sunday night, I was blown away, so happy for a kid like Tyler Smith, who I think a lot of, and he he pitched so well on Saturday, it was just unbelievable. I was really happy to see that the Tyler Smith of old is it looks like he's back. Yeah, I mean that was one of the biggest takeaways of the weekend for me is, you know, he he not only had the command of his sinker, which is his go-to pitch, he was also able to use breaking balls and different counts that we just simply haven't seen before. And you know, he's never going to be a guy that goes out there and strikes out ten to twelve a game, but just having that breaking ball in his arsenal, it it really keeps the hitter off balance. They can't just sit there and and sit on the the sinker and change up. They're going to have to factor in, hey, this guy in the back of his mind might throw a breaking ball on a 3-2 count here with the bases loaded. Uh, he's done it before, uh, and, you know, that can make all the difference in the world. People who have played the game know 
just the threat of having a pitch in your arsenal at any time, even if you only use it two or three times a game, can really change the entire game plan of a hitter. So I think it makes him a different pitcher. Uh, I think if he continues to spot his sinker and fastball like he has been, uh, he's going to be a really quality starter all year. He's, he's now 17-2 and two for his career uh, as far as his win-loss record, which to me wow. speaks for itself. That's unbelievable. I didn't know that. I knew you was successful. I didn't know it was that dominant. But as far as uh, speaking of dominant performances, as far as the offense is concerned, I, I, maybe you can help me. I don't know if it was Burleson or it may have been Packard who last year said that Thomas Francisco had the best bat, better than it was a better hitter than he was. And it, for me, uh, the, the guy is incredible. Uh, I think he had five hits. I think he reached on base uh, eight times or something. It was incredible how great a job he did this weekend. Yeah, and I think he's going to be key for a number of reasons. You know, one, you got to have somebody that can protect Burleson because if you don't have somebody that can bat behind Burleson, he's going to get pitched around all year. So having Francisco right behind him makes a ton of sense. Uh, even though they're both lefties, they're both quality hitters, they're both middle-of-the-order guys. And I think Francisco is going to develop more power over time. But the thing I like about Francisco the most is he rarely, rarely strikes out. And he puts the ball in play. Uh, he, he he walks. He's just he's just an all-around hitter. You know, it's not the prettiest swing in the world and the prettiest stance. But, you know, the way he makes contact, the way he can hit the all-fields and, and his plate approach, he puts up a quality at bat you know, seemingly nine times out of ten. And uh, he's going to be a factor when it comes to just getting on base and keeping the lineup moving. So I really like Francisco's game, and I think he's going to be one of the better hitters in conference play this year. Yeah, no doubt with the AAC player of the week, uh, offensively incredible stuff. I go, uh, I could talk to you for hours. I know that you uh, put the pen down, so to speak, to to help us out, and I know you've got a lot going on. Talk about Hoist the Colors, uh, one of my favorite websites, Tell folks, do you have any deals going on uh, right now that people could join? For people, I can't imagine them not being on the website and being a member, but how do they join? You know, our standard deal is, you know, $1 for your first month and 30% off an annual subscription. And we have that pretty much going at all times. But we're running all sorts of deals throughout the spring. Uh, You know, earlier this week we had a two-day flash sale. Sign up for your first two months to be covered for a single dollar. Uh, that's less than two cents a day. Um, so, you know, we're going to be running those types of deals kind of throughout spring to, you know, keep uh, members wanting to join the site. We've already had, a, you know, I think close to 50 new sign-ups this year on Voice of Colors. Um, and so we, we've had a lot of people take advantage of the deals. You know, as we get closer to spring practice, I wouldn't be surprised to see some deals there for new members. But, you know, the, the most important part of the site is our, our longtime members, um, and just the value they bring to the message board, you know, the interaction on a daily basis, the VIP chat, just a normal game thread. I mean, it's a lot of fun, and it's really a, uh, you know, unique opportunity just to be able to wake up every day and, and interact with that many passionate Pirate fans. So, you know, we, we've got an awesome site, and if you're not a part of it, definitely check it out. Give us a try. We know you won't be disappointed. No doubt. I don't know anybody that works harder than Stephen Iger. He's one of those guys that you're one of those guys that, I would have to stay up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 to keep up with you. I appreciate you, man, so much. Thanks for the visit. Always enjoy it. And uh, definitely I'll see you at the ball fields probably this weekend. 
No doubt, man. Hey, I appreciate the kind kind words as always. And always honored to be a guest and uh, going back to, I think, I was the first ever guest in the Sports Objective podcast. So. Yes, you were. March 1st makes two years, my friend. Awesome. Well, maybe we, we can do an uh, anniversary podcast. Time uh, we definitely will, and uh, you'll be the first name I call, no doubt about it. Take care, buddy. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Igo, here on our snow day edition of the Sports Objective, and uh, appreciate everybody while you have the day off, or certainly the kids are off. You can listen to the podcast. It's uh, a lot of, not really a lot to do outside uh, other than play in the snow, obviously, and roads are maybe not uh, too bad, but people don't know how to drive. So stay off the road. Hey, uh, and Dave, to the Dave, do you want to build a snowman? Yes, we can. Let's do it. It doesn't Frosty. have to be a snowman. We can play Frosty the Snowman. We can play that. Frozen, <laughs> Let's have some fun. Uh, and speaking of fun, let's go to our next guest. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, Bubba, great job as always booking the show. And uh, you, you uh, outdid yourself again. Absolutely. Uh, I came across this guy on social media here, I guess, within the last week or week and a half. Joey Molinaro, uh, he works for a radio station up in Indianapolis, has a weekly um, Saturday morning college football show there, and does a heck of a job. And most people, understandably, thought that he was from down in the, down in the south um, because of the impersonations he did of uh, Coach O and Nick Saban and so on. Um, but we had the opportunity to catch up with Joey and uh, had a had a great time hearing some of his impressions. And let's go to that right now. Well, if you listen to this podcast enough, you know not only do we like sports, but especially we love college football. And Bubba, we got a very special guest now. Yeah, this guy, he certainly talks college football, but does some very funny impersonations, impressions of um, various sports personalities, be it uh, guys like Colin, Colin Coward or um, coaches like Nick Saban, uh, Ed Orgeron, et cetera. And welcome to the show, Joey Molinero. Hey, what's happening, guys? Thanks for having me, man. We were having a lot of fun, and uh, obviously anytime we can laugh, it's uh, even better. And uh, tell everybody a little bit about your background. How did you get started doing impressions? Yeah, so like I said, I'm, I'm based out of Indianapolis. I was born and raised here. This is where I work right now. And uh, so I, I started taking the notice to uh, Andrew Luck, the now former quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, uh, his his voice and how funny that was and everything like that. So I did him. I did uh, an impersonation of him and it came out last year right around this time. And that started to kind of uh, pop off a little bit and people started to take notice. And then I became the Andrew Luck guy and then he retired. And then I, I started to have to do other people. And so I've just uh, been working on other people and, and testing them out and people seem to like them. And Joey, did you did you grow up doing impressions, kind of in the mirror at home, goofing around, impersonating different yeah, things, movies, oh, et cetera? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite movies, my um, you know, my my friends, parents, coaches, teachers. I mean, teachers were a big thing. You know, they still kind of are. Uh, you know, back in my circles, just joking around about people that we used to have in class and everything like that. But definitely started, you know, way back when there. But but then when I decided that, you know, I always felt I had a knack for it. Might as well try to do people that are in the spotlight that people know. And um, so I started doing it, like I said, with Andrew Luck and, and then uh, went, went from there. So with Andrew Luck and uh, I know Jim Mercer is another one you do because um, yeah. obviously you're right there in Indianapolis and um, you 
um, you cover the Colts via podcast and so forth, and your um, talk radio station there in Indy. So, uh, are, are they your favorite ones to to do, or do you have a favorite? I still enjoy doing those. Yeah, I still enjoy doing Ursay and, and Luck, and you know, definitely has a connection here. You know, people definitely take to it here, and then even nationally with somebody like Jim Ursay, just because um, he's such a character. You know, and people haven't like nobody's really like honed in on him yet. So anytime that there's somebody that hasn't really been done on a bigger scale, then people take to it a little bit more than let's you know say if someone that Caliendo's done a bunch or something like that. You know what I mean? So I enjoy doing those guys a lot. Um, really enjoy you know the SEC guys that I've been messing with. You know whether it be Coach O or Saban or Mike Leach and. Still working on a few guys for the upcoming season and everything, but um, there's really not one that I don't enjoy doing that much, honestly. I mean, it's all fun. Uh, you mentioned the SEC coaches. Coach Ed Ogeron, obviously, is one that a lot of people try to do. Uh, do, do you get other people trying to do Coach O for you? Uh, yeah, a little bit now, especially I'll get people who message me and uh, or, or tweet me, and, hey, here's my Coach O, what do you think? And, you know, I mean, I, look, I, I know – what this is all about. I know what, you know, putting yourself out there and especially in like a creative platform or a comedic type of way, how hard it could be. So, you know, even if it's not very good, I'm I'm never going to be like, Hey man, you suck because I have people say that to me and I don't like it. <laughs> so right, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You know, I appreciate anybody who has the, the, the cojones to try it. And um, yeah, so I definitely do get people to do that. Now you bring up the the SEC. Um, it's funny. That's what a, a lot of folks, understandably, think you're from Louisiana or Alabama or somewhere in the South because of right. uh, because of the SEC Im- impression. So right. last year, um, doing some of those impressions led to an opportunity. Uh, you were able to attend the national title game, right? Yeah. No, I was. I was down there in New Orleans and got to see the Tigers take on the title. So it was, it was surreal. It was truly just an unforgettable night. So, have you had a chance to talk to Coach Ogeron, or? or... <laughs> no, uh, surprisingly, I don't get that question that often. But I, I have not had the chance to meet Coach O yet, to talk to Coach O yet. I'm hoping that maybe we can make that happen here in the next year or so. But uh, I haven't gotten a chance to. Now, you mentioned doing Mike Leach. Mike Leach is a guy that you know. I think everybody loves Mike Leach. He's one of those. He's a, he's a personality that just transcends not only sports. But he's just a character from his pirate stuff and just some of the stuff he says, like, you know, fat little girlfriends or some of the yeah. other lines he said. Uh, what is your Mike Leach impersonation? Do you have a go-to routine for him or do you just – or what? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about Leach is he's just kind of, you know, an endless train of thought that you, you can't really predict. It's a lot of improv because, you know, he could be, you know, talking about – the Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden he's talking about what you're eating cereal because that's out of a bowl, and then he's talking about how he kind of looks like the Captain Crunch guy. And, you know, it all just starts with one thing, and then it keeps connecting to something else that his mind just comes across in the middle of the sentence. So that's why it's a lot of fun to do an impersonation of him because you really can just be as as silly and as as stupid with it as you want because you never know what he's going to get going on. So there's really no limit when it comes to Leech. Now, okay. Joey, one one of the awesome things that I think uh, 
or uh, one of the things that I think is awesome about what you do is the way you take um you it's not like you just look up the rants and then you um you reenact those rants you you take their persona and and apply it to other situations in life on whether it's going out to dinner or uh, or to movies whatever i mean sure, they, yeah. and, and just take their mannerisms body language and um and cadence and so forth and apply it to a new situation which i think is hilarious like with what you did with Nick Saban with the uh, what's it Thanksgiving or Christmas side dishes and then also maybe Christmas shopping those are awesome yeah no i mean that's the you know that that's the the comedy behind it all right i mean it's um Imagining those scenarios happening, and these guys that we see so often in front of the camera, you know, behind the mic, you know, in interviews and press conferences, see how they are there, but then take them and put them into real life situations or topics that you and your family would talk about at the dinner table. That's that's where the comedy comes from, and you know, I I, I tell people I'm, I'm, I don't consider myself an impressionist. I just consider myself a comedian who does impressions so you know i look at the comedy of it in terms of that and uh that's that's what i have fun with doing so now do do, do you like to enhance your impressions or the routines beforehand or can you ad-lib uh no i mean it's a lot of it's ad-lib right so like uh so if i said if i said mike leach is stuck (laughs) in traffic traffic is terrible mike leach stuck in traffic yeah, is he riding in the car with anybody? Or is it just oh yeah, yeah, he's driving, but he, <laughs> he's riding in the car. I don't, I don't know. Uh, whoever you want him to be riding with. Okay, yeah, let's say he's uh, Mike Leach riding in the car uh, with his wife and bad traffic. Well, I'd say that taking the two hundred five at five thirty, not the the greatest idea I've ever had, honey. I, I suppose one of the good things is we could. Listen to this podcast. Had a lot of people tell me to listen to this here podcast. I'm not big on podcasts usually. It's kind of a kind of a newer form of media when you think about it. More of a radio guy traditionally, but people say I'd be funny on some podcasts. I think I'd give it a shot. Maybe I have my own podcast, Leech and Company. Maybe uh, the Leech Lunatics, the Leech Lunatic Podcast. I don't know. That could be pretty entertaining. Especially sitting in this here traffic, I see a steak and shake out. Oh, you <laughs> see, this is what gets me about traffic too. Is you got jokers like this. I do like the character Joker quite a lot. I thought Joaquin Phoenix did a really good job. I think I could play a Joker. I could be a Batman villain if you think about it. I'd say, and ranks of my favorite, it'd have to be Joker. Riddler, and then that Bane fellow seems pretty good. I'd like to have him on my football team, I'd say. But you get jokers who come and honk at you when you can't move anywhere. What am I supposed to do? I'm just going to keep sitting here listening to this podcast. I can't go anywhere. I don't know. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You got, it. You got his, his speech pattern and his, his thought process and the way he would handle things. Oh, his his yeah, thoughts I just, just I mean, your, your voice was was good, but it was the other stuff, the the mannerisms and the and the little idiosyncrasies yeah. of Mike Leach that made that. That was good. Thanks, thank you. Now, um, Colin Coward, and that's one that you uh, put out fairly recently, if I'm not mistaken. So um, you you talk about Baker Mayfield and some of the things that he's gotten himself into off the field um, or on cameras in social right. me- uh, on social media, and then. 
I'm talking about versus Patrick Mahomes, who uh, obviously led the led the Chiefs to the Super Bowl. So, uh, so tell us about that one, and I, that's one of the ones. Um, some of these you really have to not only does the voice, but like Kyle's mentioning the body language and um, just the other mannerisms, uh, like that Colin Cowherd um, typically does, and there are things that really make these awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. Listen to, you know, I'm a big Cowherd fan. I've listened to him for, uh, you know, a long time, really, since I was 18 or so. I mean, when I was getting my first job in the summer, I listened to Cowherd all the time. And, you know, I still to this day listen to him pretty much every day. And so it's just like when you listen to somebody like that and you're as big a fan as you are, then, you know, it's easier to pick up on things like that. And, um, yeah, I just want me and my buddy were talking about it. He's like, you should try to give him a shot. And, that's the thing is like the the analogies and the things that he comes up with um, that are just kind of like he connects them to real life in a way that not a lot of people can do. And so I try to just stick to that as much as I can and go out of my way to not be as hot take as possible, but just like leave people being like, how did you get that connection and where did that come from? One of the things that's very cool about uh, Cowherd I saw, was it is um, – was it his producer or co-host or something? And she responded and saying how awesome it was, and um, and then I know that he talked about it on the air, saying uh, I mean he was he was very impressed by it and he was good natured and he took it in stride. Yeah, yeah, Joy Taylor, she she tweeted it or quote tweeted it or whatever, and gave me a shout out, and then enough people tagged him, and it got around enough that he had seen it, and he talked about it, like you said, so it was um, it was great, like I said, because I, I I do that out of, and he even said it, you know, you know it's a form of flattery, and it really is, it's, it's not mean-hearted or mean-spirited, or I don't, none of the impressions that I do are, are mean-spirited, it's just out of fun, and, and it's just, like I said, trying to make comedy, and he understood that, which is really, really cool to see. Now with Coach Saban, um, Coach Saban, Coach O, like I know uh, during the fall you have a one-hour show on Saturday mornings. On was it, it's called the Tailgate on 107.5 The Fan. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so um, just talk about that and how often on your show are you asked to, to do these different impressions? <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I love college football just like you guys. I, I, um, I live for college game day each Saturday. I'm up and going at 9 a.m. I'm getting ready for the day. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm ready to roll with college football. And so, when I, you know, now that I do this for a living, I was like, I pitched our program director, hey, let me get a, you know, an hour or so on the air Saturday morning, just talking college football. It'd be a local show, and so I do that with a, another. Um, uh, a girl who who is a sports reporter here in town on television and Indy, and uh, we do that. And yeah, I don't. That's one of those outlets where I try to steer clear of the impressions, just because you know I don't want to just be impression guy. You know, like I host a show and I do the show, and if a impression is, is necessary, then I'll throw it out there when we're talking right. about LSU or Bama or something like that. But uh, yeah, gotta play it's, straight. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and you know, it's, it's a lighthearted show. Like I said, it's not too too straight but i just you know try to stay away from uh from impressions with that just because i like to let people know that you know i can do other stuff right so when, you do, when you do coach O, um i'm assuming you, you like to do him in different situations also 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the whole idea of it. You know, I mean, anybody can, like you said, kind of get up, uh, get up and look at a press conference or whatever. Just kind of try to do that verbatim. But um, you know, the the real fun of it comes from when you know they're doing stuff that you wouldn't typically think or or, or know about them doing. All right, I'm, I'm going to do my coach over for you. Yeah, you yeah. judge me on it. All right, you yeah. tell me if I'm any good or not. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Granted, I'm out of practice. I hadn't heard Coach O talk in about a month now since sure. the national championship. So I had this, you know, unrehearsed. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, know, okay. It, it may be. It, it may be. And keep in mind, this is a podcast, so I can say this. It may be the shits. So yeah. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Clear throat. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so you're a professional, or. <laughs> uh, so you nah. know, now I'm nervous. Um, give me a scenario, guys. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Coach O. Eastern North Carolina, uh, Eastern North Carolina barbecue versus crawfish. There you go. Eastern North Carolina barbecue versus crawfish. Just ain't nothing but vinegar. It's nothing but vinegar over pork here. This is a crawfish. Craw- you know, Cajun food, Cajun cuisine is 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 seasoned. It's got it's got Creole. It's got spices. Eastern North Carolina barbecue is nothing but a pig. It's nothing but a pig with a bunch of vinegar on it. Now, I can hear right now as I'm doing this, Coach O, it's chaining. It's kind of going a little bit towards Mr. T. So it's kind of a, <laughs> it's a little bit between Mr. T, brother. <laughs> Code Edge Ogeron. Yeah, that, that was my best, Coach O. I started, no, I started, man. No, that's, that's, that, that, that was good. That was, uh, I started going hit. into Mr. T. I could hear it as I was doing it. Sure, <laughs> yeah. You were hitting, you're hitting uh you're hitting the, the right notes there, talking about the the barbecue and stuff. So it's good. Oh, appreciate your lies. Uh, <laughs> nah. So I, I know another uh, is Mike Gundy. Obviously, Coach Gundy was very famous for his uh, rant. Uh, I guess what twelve years ago now. Hard to believe. But, uh, man, yeah. Before the bullet. Yeah, before before the bullet. yeah. Now now he's a man. He's fifty two, and uh, he has a mullet to fear, like you just mentioned. So. Uh, so, Kyle, why don't you give him a give him a scenario for Coach Gundy? Oh God, uh, <laughs> let's see, Coach Gundy. Uh, I'm going to give you something really out there. If you don't want to do it, say so. We'll move on. Since he, since Coach Gundy likes to rant. Coach Gundy just found out his wife is cheating on him. See, you guys, this is I've only done Gundy one time, so <laughs> that was. Uh, uh, Gundy finds out his wife cheats on him. Oh, this man was oh, 40. Oh, shoot. All right, let me – hold on Younger a second. Did, I, got cha- I got channel – I got channel Gundy here a little bit, thinking back. I, I got I – got, I'm starting to get a little bit of a mullet like him now, so maybe that could <laughs> come, you know what I mean? Got to flip your hair, you know? Gundy finds out that his wife is cheating on him. Oh, man. It's confronting her. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Man, I don't know if I have it in. This is the first time I've ever chickened out of doing one. Shoot, because that's like I don't. Ah, man. Uh, shoot. That's fine. Uh, we'll come. We can come back to it or, by, or uh, bypass it. Let's. What, yeah, yeah. What, what, wanna, what about? I want to give you guys give him a give him a saving scenario. <laughs> Well, I can do it. Nick Saban finds out his wife's cheating on him. Um, no. Uh, oh, man. Saban, uh, let's see. Saban is at, a, is, is at a restaurant, and they brought him the wrong order. 
Now, see, I told you, Miss Terry, I didn't want to come to this place, all right? I told her that I didn't want to come here to this establishment because this is not a well-run program, all right? This is something that would happen at Tennessee or Florida or Georgia, all right? Not down here in Alabama, okay? I don't have time for wrong orders. I don't have time to sit here and deal with your inexperience and the waiter business, all right? I'm not going to, so just quit asking. <laughs> Yeah, well done. All right. That's good. That's good. It's really good. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what else? Kyle, have you? So, um, so Andrew, um, since retiring from the NFL, um, what have you been up to? How's life? Uh, life's pretty good. I I I can't complain. Uh, I'm a I'm a dad now. Uh, being a dad is always uh. Always, always fun to have to change poopy diapers and uh, read her a lot of books. But she is my daughter, so she's 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 pretty smart. She's already starting to read uh, a little bit, uh, but uh, it's it's been good. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it a lot. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that was really now, do funny. You do, uh, do, 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 do you do? Oh my God, what's his name? Um, Tebow. Tim Tebow? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. It's actually one that I'm like, man, if I could get that down a little bit, that would freaking get people going. Um, I've listened to a lot of his stuff. He's just so breathy, you know what I mean? And it's like he he, he doesn't take a – like he's so breathy, but also he's not breathing when he's talking because it's all just like one continuous sentence. And he's got that list going, so – um, I don't really have one right now, but that's that's definitely one that I'm trying to nail down before college football starts again. Yeah, he's going to be the keynote speaker for in Greenville, Home East Carolina, where we are the area uh, in oh, October. Really? It's a, a great cause called Aces for Autism, and they're they're raising a lot of money for autism. And he's coming to speak in October, so we're looking forward to Tebow being here locally. Yeah, that'd be great. He's an awesome dude. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Joey, um, if Jim Jim Ursay asking Andrew Luck to to come back onto the or come back and play for the Colts, um, and how would that sound? Andrew, man, hey, hey, what's going on, Andrew? Um, I don't know if you saw last year, man. Um, uh, not not good without you, twelve. Not. Not good at all, man. We need we need you. Uh, we need you with Big Q uh, to to come back and take us to a championship, man. We need you. We can't do it with Jacoby, man. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I, I can hear a little bit of that. I don't know if you you have done him, but you could do him. Uh, have you done Lou Holtz? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. let, let, let's hear uh, let's hear some some classic Lou. Uh, maybe maybe just play it straight. Classic Lou talking to Mark May about Notre Dame. Hey, here's the thing about Notre Dame, Mark. They could get back out there with the Alabama. They could take out the Clemson. Huh? They could take out the Alabama. They could take out the Clemson. They're a good football program. You just got to get them out there on the right side time. Brian Kelly's going to have them going. It's going to be a good thing, Mark. I know you don't believe in them, but that's why you're back right there because you're still a tape. 
<laughs> he just starts like rambling, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I always I, mine is mine is simple. Is I always hear God want to tell you. He goes, "I want to tell you, you're your damn fight nervous." Yeah, you say his thing about the university. If you, you can know, do Homer Simpson, yeah, it's like doing Homer Simpson. Yeah, yeah, a little he's, bit he's, like a little bit of like uh, Donald Duck in there too, you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah, with the list. Now, guys, I, know, I was I was talking to uh, Joey as we were setting this up, and he, he said that he does some some uh, in addition to sports personalities. So, how about uh, Bobby Boucher? I know sports, but it's obviously Adam Sandler from The Water Boy. Yes, yes. Well, it, it, it it's certainly a, a, a privilege and a pleasure to join you here on 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 your on your football program, sir. <laughs> well done. Uh, our, our, and that movie came out, I guess, what '98, my junior year of high school. You know, uh, I, you know, you know, guys. Class. I hear, I hear, uh, podcast. Oh, the devil. <laughs> what the devil to you, mama? Everything <laughs> the devil to you, mama. <laughs> our wife would agree with that. Every lie from that movie uh, that he's watching on New Year's Eve. Dick Clark on the TV, and he goes, "Look, Ma, it's the devil." Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's he, he says? He says, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. Uh, when, when he was leaving, he's out the window, and all the people are out there. And he's like, "Well, that's very nice, but she can't hear you because she's <laughs> unconscious." <laughs> that's good stuff. Yeah, man, that's that's fun. <laughs> now, what about um? I know we're just sitting here naming different characters and all, but what everybody seems to do, it's almost been bastardized to death. I'm sure at some point you've done Billy Bob Thornton doing Carl from Sling Blade. Uh, you know, people people say that to me, but I honestly haven't. Uh, I don't, are you I've serious? Never, I've never even seen that movie. So I, okay. All right. How yeah, old are you? Yeah. Huh? How old are you? I'm 26. Okay. All right. All right. That kind of explains that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's uh, yeah, but people have sent that to me before and everything. People send me stuff all the time. I'm like, do this one, try this one. Can you do this one? Do this. And so, but yeah, it, it's pretty funny. Has there been one you've tried to do? And you, well, you mentioned Tebow earlier. Has there been one you've tried to do? That you thought you could do that you just can't get down. Uh, Jim Harbaugh. Can't do Harbaugh. Okay. He's really hard. He, I mean, he just like. He just talks like a normal guy, kinda. You know, like he. he <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, you know, again, visually and everything, I could, I could get it down with his pauses and his facial expressions and his, his confusion and everything like that. But his voice is, a, you know, there's not a whole lot there to work with. So, I don't know. But I, again, it's, it's February. I'm hoping by August, you know, Tebow and. Harbaugh and all those guys will be ready to roll. So, yeah, absolutely. Yep, 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 yep. Joy, thank you so so much for coming on. I know you spent a lot of time with us. A lot of fun. How can people find? I know uh, Bubba is like uh, maybe social media between YouTube and Twitter, or different places to find your work. Sure. Uh, so my main my main few platforms are Twitter. Uh, just my name at uh, Joey Molinero M U L I N A R O, and then. Um, my Instagram is also that, Joey Molinero, and then I'm on TikTok as well. That's a newer form. Um, right. 
and that's Molinardo, M-U-L-I-N-A-R-D-O, one word, Molinardo. So that's where you can find me. That's where I'll uh, interact with everybody and keep putting stuff out there. So it'll we'll keep having fun. All right. Thank you so much. Look forward to having you on again sometime soon. Maybe back in uh, when it gets to right before the kickoff of college football, we'll have you back. Absolutely, guys. Yeah, sounds, sounds awesome. Uh, best of luck, and uh, thanks for having me. Thank you, Joey, so much. Appreciate you. And, uh, oh, man, I didn't know we were going to have all those coaches on one podcast, but maybe we should have done a better job of scheduling them one by one, Bubba. But, uh, anyway, that was a lot of fun with Joey. Thank you so much. And I know we'll try to have him on before the football season starts in August, late August, right? Yeah, I look forward to having Joey back and um, obviously just talking some football with him in addition to maybe hearing some more impressions that he does. That'll be a lot of fun for sure. And uh, speaking of fun, uh, i tell you what, I uh, want to mention too, disappointed with uh, certainly the outcome, but the basketball game, I just want to speak briefly. We'll talk more about that when we have time, but really proud of Joe Dewey and uh, the Pirates. Uh, tight game in Memphis. Thought we had a chance that we were going to get it done, but man, it looked uh, it looked like we had a chance again. So you had Cincinnati and then uh, Memphis, another great team, and man, we, we were so close on the road. Yeah, another heartbreaker. I think seventy-seven to seventy-three was the final, and um, we were down three there with ten seconds left. Um, uh, I was unable to watch the game, but I was listening to Jeff and Cy, and they really felt like that there were a couple calls there in the final minute that we were on the short end of. Um, and you expect that to be the case playing at the FedEx Forum against a, a team like Memphis that has so much tradition um, and a lot more success than, than we have. But uh, hopefully that will change in the future once we become more of a more of a force and an established winner. Um, but kudos to the guys for battling back from at least 14 or 15 down uh, to make it a game and have a shot to win there at the end. And how about Tristan Newton? Uh, he just continues to get better and better. He finished with, I think it was 23 points and 13 or 14 rebounds and four assists. So unbelievable performance for for Tristan on a on a huge stage there in Memphis and. And it was definitely the best game of his pirate career. Let's give a shout out to the uh, the Lady Pirates, Kim McNeil. Hey, they got it done against uh, Tulsa last night. Great game, and uh, really proud of her. And uh, seems like things are going together. And uh, I believe we have one of the players has the uh, is it Monk that has all time steals lead now. Yeah, Lashonda Monk. Um, and I want to say what was that? Was it like two ninety two or two ninety three? Okay. Um, so, yeah. So um, congratulations to LaShonda Monk. She's been excellent throughout her East Carolina career, and she certainly had a tremendous year this year, And um, along with Dominique Clater and Tania Thompson. Yeah, you guys, I, got a, I got a trivia question for you all going back to Memphis. Uh, do you guys know what the – you remember the Memphis Pyramid? Do you guys yes. know what that is? I, Dave, I bet you do. I do. Yes, uh, I do. I, 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 Okay, I do as well. Okay, you know too. All right. Yep. I, tell you, I, I figured you knew after I started asking the question because I, I remember now you worked for them. But, uh, yeah, yeah if, if you don't know people, the Memphis period, Pyramid, one of the biggest structures at one point and most unique structures in all of athletics is a friggin' Bass Pro Shop now. <laughs> yes, it is. I want to it get is called the, crazy. It, it is called the Bass Pro Pyramid. Yeah, when and we go there, when we go to Memphis, we need to uh, the road trip. 
Sports Objective Road Trip, we need to make sure we go there in uh, Graceland. So, yeah, that's a that's a redneck ass trip right there. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a blue collar hey. tour, man. Blue collar tour. I would love to. Uh, I'd love to make it again. That's a, that's a trip that I've made four times. Uh, 94, 95 against Illinois and Stanford, and then obviously Kentucky and Arkansas in 2008 and 2009. We didn't. I mean, we didn't go to. Graceland all those years, um, but we went to uh, Graceland in uh, in one of those ninety years, and then also um, we went in either oh eight or oh nine. Uh, and so my my grandma who uh, passed away back in I guess twenty fifteen, my, my dad's mom. Um, so we, Mamma was a huge Elvis fan, so oh, we had, wow. had, had to take her, and and not only did she love she Elvis. Yeah, and not only did she love Elvis, but she also loved ribs. So she she enjoyed the Memphis ribs uh, as well. Oh man! Yeah, you know, uh, thinking about that trip, man. You're talking about college football. You're talking about barbecue with, with you know the best ribs <laughs> you can get anywhere. You're talking about Elvis. You're talking about Bass Pro Shop. Of course, Memphis has one of the most legendary professional wrestling scenes of all time. Oh my God! Yeah, with Jerry Lawler. With Jerry Lawler, and you know. Bill Dundee and all those guys. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just redneck heaven, come to think of it. I mean, that is a redneck field trip. <laughs> well, we we got to do it sometime soon. That would yeah. be awesome. Indeed. So, Indeed. Something something else that was very cool, I guess it was, uh, I'm trying to remember if it was 08 or 09, um, but one of those years we had the opportunity to go to Sun Records as well, you know, where oh, yeah. Jerry Lee Elvis, Lewis and, and uh, Lewis. Oh, Elvis, man. Carl Parkinson. Johnny Cash. Yeah, Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh man, that would be awesome. I, I've uh, Sam Bell. Oh man, Sam Bell would be awesome. I tell you what, I'd love to definitely love to see that uh, for sure. By the way, give a shout out to we're going to try to have him on next week, Bubba Coach Jabs. I thought you were on Jerry Lee Lewis. I love I love <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> I got Great a whole lot of shaking going on. Um, but yeah, the uh, the swim team and dive team has already. Uh, I know the swim team they set a record and uh, I believe it was a conference record uh, relay. And then also we had one of the divers for ECU uh, did very well, so um, he won uh, a championship today. So we'll give them a shout out. We'll have a chance to discuss that more with Coach Jabs next week. But got to give a shout out to the swim and dive team, one of the most consistent programs guys we have in all of athletics ecu and coach jabs and company down in houston and getting it done yeah absolutely um so much success for that program um, going back uh, all those years under rick kobe and, kobe, yep. and, and now under matt jabs on um, the as they say the tradition never graduates so that's right and we're going to get and, kurt craft on soon about track and field another program yep. We're really proud of. We'll, uh, we're trying to space them apart a little bit, uh, so it won't be the coach objective or the EC coach objective. But congratulations to all of them, uh, guys. Do you have anything before we go? Also, wanted to mention women's tennis. Uh, women's tennis. Oh, yeah. um, a lot of folks wouldn't consider this a ranking, but the the um, the way they ranked um, tennis is, and they, they do have a top fifty, I guess it is, but. But anyway, East Carolina's women's tennis team is is ranked forty uh, eighth right now, um, if you will. So congratulations to them. Um, they they're playing well, and, and really, you look at it, and they've played the likes of uh, number one North Carolina and number four NC State. So yes, they 
they've lost some matches, but they've been playing incredible competition. Look at our sports programs inside athletics. It's been booming uh, even more so than ever. And uh, I think that dark cloud that we had over the program, we are pirates. We weathered the storm. And uh, good things are, are coming to us as we're, we have the snow day edition, the episode here. Uh, guys, enjoy the snow. Uh, make some snow cream for me. And I'm going to go out in the snow now with my kids, and we're going to be a little frosty, and we'll take some pictures, okay? Absolutely. nonsense there at the end of the day, but all right. <laughs> Until next time, you've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Join us next time as the guys will be objective, and the objective is sports.